0: Welcome to the Road Roadshow, episode number 232. It's a very, very special edition. We are here in Abu Dhabi, halfway around the world. And it's not special just because we're in Abu Dhabi. I mean, that is pretty special. But it's special because we got somebody new to the podcast, Farah Hanun. One of the newest members of the MMA Junkie team is here, and I cannot think of a better way to debut than to get your expertise on this area. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good. We've got Mike Bond in the house as well. He doesn't get as fancy of an intro because he's been <laughs> around a long time, so it just is what it is. I'm no longer the young Mike Bond. What's You're, going on? No, now? that's right. You're just <laughs> Mike Bond now. You're getting old, man. I mean, times are changing. we got we got we got young kids on the staff now. You're just Mike Bond. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> Oscar Willis is over there. He's working. MMA Junkie Pair is over there. He's always good. He's chilling, uh, playing tunes in the background. We got a little party going on here uh, in Abu Dhabi. It's uh, what are we? Co- Abu Dhabi Showdown Week is that? Yep. The, that's the yep. official tag here that that we're going with. Of course, uh, it's all about UFC 242. It's all about gonna made off versus Dustin Poirier, and we'll get to all that. But um, I want to start with you, Federer. Like I said, I can't think of a better time for you to, to to come on the show for the first time because the expertise of the area. We're here in Abu Dhabi for the first time in five years. Okay, 2014, of course, was the last one. Um, It's the start of a five-year partnership, which uh, this stood out to me from the beginning. Seeing the press release was so incredible because I've never seen this wording where, okay, it's the start of a five-year deal, and we're guaranteed to have a title fight on every single event. I mean, that's that's big. For the UFC to commit to that up front is huge. So I, I guess let's just start with the region itself before we get to the partnership. Give me an idea what the feeling is like in for MMA, the passion for MMA, the knowledge of it. Because we know, I mean, you know, Abu Dhabi, if, if you're into, you know, mixed martial arts, grappling, it's synonymous, right? Abu Dhabi Combat Club, the, the World Championships, are actually in uh, California, I think, like in a week or two. So we know that name. So we know, like, there's a ton of Brazilians that came over here, right, because of the shakes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, just give us an idea. Is is it just BJJ that is big here? And is it just Abu Dhabi? Or is it the whole region? Is it MMA? Give me an idea of... Where MMA's popularity is in in this part of the world?
1: I mean, definitely there's a huge jujitsu community in uh, Abu Dhabi. And uh, you could tell on the previous cards, like, uh, in 2014, they had Nogueira as the headliner. So there is a target with that, uh, with the previous cards. But uh, this time around, I feel like, and you can feel it when you see the other fighters because they're getting sworn by fans, like other fighters, even guys like Curtis Blades. You could tell the sport is growing and they're starting to know who these guys are um, as opposed to before. So it wasn't like you've got a huge main event, uh, great fights on the card, but the focus wasn't getting these huge names like we usually see on a pay-per-view. And it still works because they could do that because the main event is big enough. And obviously, ever since Habib beat Conor, it's just... It's flipped the world upside down, especially in this region. All of a sudden, it's no coincidence that we're here in Abu Dhabi and there's a five-year deal. It was just the perfect opportunity for them to come to do that, to capitalize on Habib's win, and uh, here we are with a five-year deal.
0: See, that's what I I, kind of wonder is interesting because, you know – there was there was ownership right there was a stake so why did the UFC not come here for, for five years do you know I mean was that ever addressed as, as to why
1: it was never addressed but I was hearing rumors that they wanted big fights uh, they wanted big fights and I don't think the UFC was willing to do that and uh, when you see the 2014 card I don't know if they were like deceived in any way but it was it wasn't the greatest uh, card especially t- the way 2010 was I was hearing that they were they just wanted big fights right. and. To get these fighters to fly halfway across the world in Abu Dhabi, in a market where maybe back then, even now they had that notion. You saw them like, uh, Pory was a little afraid to come to the Middle East. A lot of these fighters thought that they were going to come here and it was going to be like wild and like enemy territory and whatnot. Uh, So I think it was hard for them to do a big card here because you have to convince the the big fighters or the the champions to fly halfway across the world. Why would they do that? Uh, so with Habib- and you've got to
0: convince the UFC to be willing to do it at an off time, right? Because that's yeah. that's definitely. I mean, it's going to impact pay per view sales, no question about it.
1: A hundred percent because of the time. But now uh, with Habib, it's like the it's a different like target. You feel like because of the whole showdown week. Um, it's interesting in the Middle East because you got Bahrain, who's got the amateur championships now. It used to be in Las Vegas, and now it's in right. Bahrain. So you can obviously see the interest in, in in the sport in the region and in the moves they're, <clears throat> excuse me, in the moves they're making, and obviously that plays to money, and they can do that. And um, it's kind of forcing people to fly halfway across the world because I've been to the last couple amateur championships and it's got a nice crowd because you've got people right. from all over the world showing up uh, to sport. Uh, it's not the crowd that I expected, but it's getting there. That's my point. And um, yeah, it's just, it shows you the commitment they've got now here.
0: Yeah, no question about Help, I guess, me understand and uh, I guess everybody the idea of having these events over here, right? Like we see like Saudi Arabia is like paying big money to have. WWE, right? And it's clear that the government of Abu Dhabi spent a lot of money. I mean, we, we, we dropped it Abu Dhabi Showdown Week. It's not just the event. You know, there was the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert yeah. last night. There was supposed to be another concert tonight. Um, there's, there's uh, I mean, parties, I guess, at all these different places. Uh, even our hotel staff here is wearing, like, the Showdown Week stuff. I mean, it's obvious, like, this is really, really incorporated in the community. Is it just – from an American perspective, from the outside looking in, it really just seems like these are just incredibly wealthy people and incredibly wealthy governments that are willing to pay exorbitant amounts of money to bring a global brand to this area to bring awareness or like increase tourism. tourism yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: uh,
1: for sure. That, that's mainly it. Because then you you see a lot of the local media and what they're trying to do, the angles they're trying to push when they're talking to these fighters and stuff. That's the idea, because when you look at the Middle East, it's kind of often painted in a negative light. So when you could get a brand like the UFC to come, you've got Anthony Joshua and and Ruiz uh, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, WWE had Lesnar. Was it Lesnar that was headlining there? So this is the idea. If they can get these big brands to come and get – it will force people to fly over because they love these guys, they idolize these guys, and then – You see, oh, you know what? It's not that bad (laughs) because the Middle East is often painted in a negative light, and this is what this allows.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. The only thing I will say negative about the Middle East is it is hot as hell. (laughs) The last time we were in 2014, I think it was like April, uh, and it was a little bit more pleasant. It is literally the hottest place I've ever been on the planet, and it's not just the temperature. It's the humidity. You walk outside. Yeah. And, and you're just instantly soaked. Poor, poor Mike Bond over there from coming from Canada, dude. hes, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's I mean, we got to walk like 50 feet to get to the host hotel, and I think he's like trying to take an Uber over there.
2: Yeah, my hands are just – you walk outside and your hands are like – instantly sweaty and just, like, everything. It's just, yeah, It's I've never felt It's just like walking into a sauna
0: and being in there for, like, half an hour, but you're outside for five seconds. Yeah, we've been joking, like, you could just literally, to cut weight, for the fighters could yeah. literally just walk outside. Yeah, yeah.
1: Poirier's nutrition was, like, we literally considered doing some of the weight outside. He's, like, and then cooling down in the sauna. <laughs> He's like, <and> cooling <laughs> down
0: in the sauna. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Lord. I, I guess it should be said, too, just for anybody that knows or remembers, the, the last two events were in an outdoor arena. Yeah. This is an indoor arena. Um, We haven't, well, uh, uh, Per got to see it. He went to the Chili Peppers concert last night. It's brand new, as this was explained to me. is uh, It's it's a semi permanent structure, meaning it will probably be here as far as the existence of this five year deal. It seats, I think they said around twelve to fourteen thousand, depending on the configuration. But it is indoors. Although, I mean, it was still under construction this week, right? Like they yeah. were still like fitting the air conditioning in and stuff like that. So I'm kind of, it might be hot in there. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming they will try to fix that from the past uh, events, especially it's been five years, and I'm sure they've heard of of all the complaints of how hot <laughs> it was before. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're willing to build anything, anytime, that's crazy, anywhere, right? literally. <laughs>
0: all right, let's talk about let's talk about Habib and his popularity in the region. You said the, the win over Connor blew up, right? And, and understandably so. I mean, that's the moment he became a global superstar, I think. Yep. But um, in this region, obviously predominantly Muslim region, I think yep. that's a, a big part of it. For sure. Um, but how how popular is this guy? Like, I remember there was one point where Dana had mentioned that uh, they they considered maybe doing uh, Whitaker Adesanya yeah. here before they got the Australia thing yeah. done. Um, I mean, we've heard this week, like, the ticket is impossible to get. I heard some local journalists, they were saying, like, in 2014, they were handing out tickets because they, they had to paper to get the place full. Now, it's the hottest ticket in town. You can't get one. There's people flying in from all over to go. So, I guess I'm, I'm packaging that all in to ask you, like, how big is Habib here? How 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 much do people really know about him? And could Whitaker and Adesanya, for instance, have made this as popular a ticket, or is it because of Habib?
1: No, I have to say, no disrespect to Adesanya and Whitaker, they're phenomenal, but I honestly think it's because of Habib um, for the simple reason that I've noticed a lot of people they know the name, but they I don't some of them don't even know what he looks like <laughs> because I've had like security and tell me like they tap me on the shoulder like. Ah uh, Habib, and they're like waiting for me to finish off, and I'm like looking at them. I'm like, oh, ner and then a little kid was like to his dad. I'm like pointing at Wonder Boy Zach, like, is that Habib? And then I'm like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that is not Habib. Yeah. Sure.
1: <laughs> so they're so it's like they know the name. They're they're looking for a hero. That's what it is. It's like everybody wants a hero to support, especially in in this region. Although he's not from the Middle East, but, like you you said, the the Muslim community, everybody's looking for a hero. You saw what happened with uh, Mo Salah, the football player yep. or soccer, you guys say. Yeah. Uh, he exploded because most people probably won't watch the actual football game or even understand. Like most of the times, they'll watch Liverpool. I don't think they care about Liverpool. Like when other they're people score, Salah. yeah, no, they don't cheer. Like I don't hear the cheers. Cause I live in Egypt. I don't hear the cheers outside the window when Mane or Firmino score. It's only one side. So I'm like, if they if they win and he doesn't score, I don't think they're happy. So I feel like it's it's like that right now. But now there's he's forcing people to watch. That's the, that's the beauty of it. They'll they'll learn about the sport because because of this. And um, that's the whole point, I guess, you know, bringing him here. People don't know about MMA, but now after watching him, because they want to watch, they want to find out what's happening.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like Dana said, I mean, we saw it in China, right? I mean, now you have a Chinese champion. I mean, he says it all the time, and it's true. When you have somebody that looks like you came from where you came from, you know, you can support him. So let me ask you this, because he had a quote, and uh, he came out, and it it was local media that he was talking to. But, and again, it may have been just Dana painting a rosy picture, but he's like, hey. I said it in England, I said it in Canada, you know, I said it in China, and I'll say it here, you know, six or seven years from now, th- there could be a Middle Eastern UFC champion, or even, you know, there, there there will be, you know, suggesting. So give me an idea. As you said, Habib, he's relatable because he's Muslim, obviously he's not from here. Is there talent enough here? I mean, could there be six or seven years now? Is Is he right that maybe there could be a champion that's not just Muslim, but actually from here?
1: This is exactly what I was saying with this card and then I got a bit of backlash for it. I said it felt like a UFC Moscow card and I say that with all due respect because there is a UFC Moscow in two months and I understand that a lot of these Russian fighters had visa issues so they like to get a pay-per-view event with Habib but I just felt like they should have invested a little bit in local talent because I've been around a lot of local shows and there are talented guys that train at good gyms um and I just felt like that was the chance to get them. like Especially when Don Madge lost his opponent. They right. got a French Algerian kid, but yeah. he's he, he's not based in the Middle East. You've got Team Noguera in Dubai. That's literally an hour drive away or maybe two hours. Yeah. You could have called up a couple of those guys. There was a lightweight there that would have killed to be on that card. Uh, they've got talented guys, and that was the point to, to give them that opportunity to prove it since this card wasn't stacked with massive names. yep. Since that's not the angle they went with. Uh, I thought it was a perfect opportunity for them to give one or two guys that are actually from the Middle East and based in the Middle East that opportunity. It wouldn't have been an issue if they... Because if, like, look at Zobaira. He's a huge favorite, right. right? I don't know much about this kid. He could surprise us all. That's the beauty of the sport. But my idea is if you were going to give him an opponent that was such a massive underdog, why not invest in local talent? Get a guy since... he He's the biggest favorite on the card, Zobaira. Right. So why not invest in, in in local talent? And I've seen guys get signed off of losses so that wasn't even the idea because there are some top guys that were on six seven fight win streaks and they just lost yep which was super unfortunate with this card coming up they might have been they might have been they might have gotten the call so um in my opinion i just think it was worth investing in at least one or two fighters um but maybe next year
0: yeah we'll see moving forward i mean like i said start of a five-year partnership all right so Great setup. I appreciate that. Now let's get into the fight. What everybody's talking about. Habib never made out versus Dustin Poirier. Um, it doesn't take much setup, right? I mean, we're talking about Habib, the undefeated monster. I mean, the wrestling is there. We know what his game's about. It's about pressure, you know, it's about grappling, that sort of thing. Meanwhile, Dustin Poirier, uh, I mean, he's been saying it is true. It is like a damn Rocky story, right? I mean, what he's gone through and, uh, you know, to, to get to this point, all the hurdles along the way, the setbacks. But this run that he's on, man, the wins that he's put together, the fights that he's been in to get here, incredible. I mean, I think we all believe, you know, it, it, Tony Ferguson is probably a guy that's like, I wish I would have had the shot. But this matchup, this matchup is good. Um, I, it's exciting. Habib definitely the favorite, no question about it. But let's let's talk about what we've seen here because Habib Nurmagomedov, you, you said it. I mean, the, the 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 event is built around him, right? And yet at the open workouts. In this beautiful Yaz Mall, you know they didn't even exist the last time we were here five years ago. It's the biggest place I've ever seen with all this just like high end. I mean, it is nice, right? You walk in there, it's amazing. They've got this beautiful setup for the open workouts. And what does Habib do? Doesn't work out. Comes out and does a a Q and A Q&A where we don't even have a microphone for the for the audience. So he's having to you know repeat what's said and it. it not bad. I mean, it was good to interact. I'm sure the, they were happy to see him, right? And, you know, he handed out some T-shirts, and that's cool. But, I mean, this was an open workout, and, and, and the guy doesn't work out. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. how, how
2: do you not come out and, like, toss? If, like, even if it's one minute and you just throw a couple dudes over your head and, like, show off your Bro, slams. Like, something. Something. Just, something I mean, something.
0: He, could t- he could throw people in his sleep and not even think All right. <laughs> yeah. so, so he doesn't do that. Okay. Then today, just a little bit earlier today, media day, Right. Blue corner comes first, Poirier, tons of cameras around him, everybody's ready to go. Sat there for 40-something minutes. 40-something minutes, did it, right? Does everything. They do the face-off. Didn't expect a spirited face-off. There's no hate here. This is just, was, profe- you know.
2: We hugged him. It was, yeah, it was interesting. That's what we yeah. expected, right? I mean, yeah. just
0: professionalism. I think there's respect, all right? So, all right, cool. Yep, face-offs are done. Let's go talk to Habib. And then Dana. Face-offs are done. We're like, why is Dana still on the stage right now? Like, normally, he, I mean, it's not like he thinks maybe there's another fight to face off. Like, oh, I just didn't even realize. Surprise main event. Yeah, yeah. So he sits there, and he goes, oh, oh guys, uh, Habib, uh, everybody's going to be around. you got plenty of stuff to do. Just know Habib. He, you know, he did yesterday. He's not doing today. Well, he did yesterday. but He didn't speak to any media yesterday. Exactly. You know what I mean? So he didn't do media. So Habib didn't do media day today. Um Interesting, I, you know, for us, okay, we're spoiled at MMA junkie. Like we've had some access to him. We've had, you know, we're good. You know, and, and we're t- we like everybody in the card. Like, we, I mean, we're a hardcore fan base. Like, we we, we can talk to prelim fires. There's a ton of media that were here for one reason only, and that was to talk to Habib. And I'm I'm not trying to bury Habib here. I like Habib. He's a good dude. He's always been respectful. But it is, I'm sure, a lot of reporters went home disappointed today. I say all this to get to the point of are we worried that something's not right with a B because he is basically – I saw him when I first got here like Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I saw him. And he was nice. Like I was in the media room. He came in. He was like, hey, John, how are you doing? He's like, where would you get that coffee? I want some coffee. So, I mean, he didn't look bad to me. He didn't look like he was trying to hide anything. But to not do an open workout, to not do a media day, are, are you guys worried at all?
2: <sighs> it's tough because in one – way you could say like it's beneficial in some ways because it like tangles it in more mystery like what's going on uh, you want to see the weigh-ins tomorrow it's going to be like so much more anticipated all that kind of stuff so like in one way maybe it's good promotion in a way, but only if you're like following it super closely and someone who's like watching the media day and like doing all that stuff. And uh, maybe if you were just like a fan looking for his interviews, you wouldn't even know that like he didn't end up doing interviews unless like you follow one of us reporters who tweeted out what happened. Right. Uh, So like, yeah, you may, you know, there's maybe two sides to that coin of whether that's like an effective approach, but I don't think anyone denies Habib making 155 is, like, not an easy task. Like, he he has missed weight once before uh, very early in his UFC career. He obviously had uh, the Tony Ferguson fight at UFC 209, I believe, where he was, like, pulled out at the last minute before weigh-ins and hospitalized. So, like, we – there's been issues here time and time again. The past few times, it seems like it's been okay for him for these title fights, but – yeah, like I, we're not, I don't think you can ever go into a Habib fight like 100% certain this is gonna be no big deal. But for this one, like it would shock me if there was a weigh in issue just because he's known about this fight forever. He's had like all the, I guess, advantages in the world. He's aware of like the terrain here, the humidity, all the other things that come along with fighting right. here. So, like, if he can't make weight for this for whatever reason that's like a huge onus on him and that that's a really bad look because he's had everything in the world like set up on a silver platter to make this a perfect situation
0: it is funny because i did like when he didn't talk i did kind of immediately think well that sucks and i was like well it's actually more of a talking point that he didn't talk than anything he would have said, yeah. right? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. like, No disrespect, but he's just going to be there. Oh, it's an honor. It's God's will. You know, He's going to say what he says. So it yeah. is more of a talking point. But let me ask you because we had an interesting setup today um, because all three of us were working together. You guys were going to talk to uh, Habib. So I was actually leaving after the face-offs anyway so I could get back here and talk to some guest fighters. Um, so I didn't really get to see the fallout after it happened. I was running to get out. Tell me, Fred like the, the, the local reporters, like was – what happened? Like after, because we find out that he's not showing up. And I, as I said, that, that there was man, there was a ton of media there today. I think there's yep. like 150 media or something. So a lot of people there today. And clearly, again, most of them were there to speak to him. What what was it? What was the vibe like?
1: They just swarmed us, um, okay. they <laughs> Well, Mike <laughs> was saying that was a good opportunity for them to for like a and Zubaydah to get some. He's like, maybe that was his, his plan. Like, so <laughs> you,
0: you mentioned that earlier, saying like, hey, maybe you know what? I don't <laughs> think that was Habib's plan. <laughs> But had he just walked up and been like, guys, th- thank you all for coming. I look forward to the fight tomorrow. In the meantime, talk to my brothers here. Yeah, and That would have been – It is that interesting. And,
2: I mean, Makachev did say at uh, the Open Workouts, he's like one like, during this five years, I'm going to be headlining one of these cards. Like, that's yeah. my goal. So I don't think that, like, this is some sort of master plan that they came <laughs> up with or whatever, but, like – Maybe it was. I don't know. But I, you know, gun to my head, I'm saying no. And Habib's just probably having a tough cut. And <laughs> instead of sitting there answering questions for an hour, he got yeah. to work. And you
1: know what I think? I think because he's he's probably just overwhelmed because people are pulling him here and there, asking for stuff. And technically, I'm sure behind the scenes is being told. Cater to the local media, most right. importantly, because of basically this event is because of him and for him. Yeah.
0: So it's a they're partnership. Like th- there's a ton of money. Exactly.
1: They're probably telling him this is your top priority, and he's probably just burnt out. He's probably being like, "I talked to you guys a million times. Right. Like, I'll talk to you guys later."
0: So let me ask you this, because this is one thing that I've kind of been thinking about all week, and thought about it beforehand, but now that we're here, like, really think about. It. I mean, <laughs> fights are a fight. Like, once you get in the cage, it's a cage. But we, as reporters, we're always, you know. Breaking it down, well, hey, what, what outside factor here? What could, and we talk to a lot of fires like, hey, is this a pressure situation? You know, and everybody eh, eh, no, it's not pre-. I mean they all have it's a generic question, generic answer. But in this situation, I think this is a little different, right? I mean, this is as you said, it's 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 an event built around him, right? But it's it's a partnership built around him. It's it's this region. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's a lot of weight on his shoulders to go in there and perform, and as you said, Imagine you know getting pulled in a, in a million different directions. You know you've got these very very wealthy individuals yeah. you know that have been very very good to you over the course of your career, and now they're kind of expecting you to get in there and deliver. So I mean, Habib doesn't seem like the kind of guy to me to like get rattled. I mean we're talking about the guy who had the most gangster move ever of just you know getting off the bus after it had been attacked and say you know just send me location. I mean yeah. this dude is calm under fire, but this is different. You know I mean this isn't just conflict or whatever. I mean, this is, like, the weight of this partnership and this region and this deal. I mean, do you think there's a possibility that as we're leading into this that it's it's weighing heavy on him a little bit?
1: It could be. Or maybe that's why he doesn't want to do the rest of the media because it's, like, he doesn't want to to, to weigh heavy on him eventually. Like, he, for him, he knows that future events won't be in Abu Dhabi or maybe next year or whatever. But, I mean, like, after that, he'll be fighting in other areas while he, he'll he sit down and do these media obligations. So he, he feels probably or he's probably being told like look cater to the local media because the, the these a lot of these guys don't know much about the actual sport so they're asking him certain questions about the country and how it feels to be here and expecting him to say all that nope. good stuff and and so there's a there's a goal there and I I don't blame him cuz it must be really annoying to get pulled in all these directions but I just feel like that that's what he feels like he's obligated to do.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, I, again, you know, knock on wood. I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow morning at the weigh-ins, no problem, because I, I, I want to see this fight, of course. We, and we, right. You know, you don't want anyone to miss weight. I mean, that just sucks. But uh, it's just interesting, these, the, these last 48 hours especially. I, I just I, I wonder where he's going to be at. Um, the, the flip side of it, Mike Bond. let's talk about Dustin Poirier. I mean, uh, man, you know, you first announced this fight – and I think everybody right away – and the line reflects it, right? I mean, Habib's a big favorite. I mean, here's this unbeaten dude that just mows through everybody, right? So I think when you first announce the fight, everybody goes, "Wow, good for Dustin, but, man, Habib's a beast, right? Yep. But I get this feeling as we get closer, or as we get closer – and, again, we're not talking about X's and O's right now. We're talking about emotions and intangibles and all that. But, dude I, – I, and I've said it over the years, and I'll, and I'll and, and, and I'll echo it. You can tell – when somebody is trying to hype themselves up. You can tell when somebody is, is trying to make themselves believe something, and then you can tell when somebody actually has that core belief. You know, you have been staying in touch with Dustin Poirier every week. We had the Dustin's Diary series. If anybody hasn't uh, seen it, still available on MMA Junkie every segment. Basically, kind of a weekly check-in. There's a video component where he's been sharing clips about his life. There's yeah. a written segment as well where it goes a little bit more in-depth, a little storytelling, and then it all culminated with, Last night, we went to his uh, his villa that he's staying in, not, mm-hmm. not staying here in the little hotel area we are. Uh, he was kind enough to, to, uh, to bring us in on, on Wednesday night of Fight Week, and you guys had one final interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, I think for you especially, and even for me now, I mean, when you're that close, you're going to feel it, right? Yeah. But I don't feel like the feeling of this momentum that Dustin is carrying, that there's there's some kind of something special, something magical going on, I don't think it's coming just from you or just from me. I, I talk to people. And I guess a little tip, I mean, Matt Erickson was, was sharing earlier that the staff picks um, is, I think he said, what, 9 to 5? Yeah. In favor of uh, – In favor of, of Poirier. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. 9 to 5, in even though the line is still minus 500. So yeah. 9 of our 14, and I'm one of them. And, and I'll be honest, I changed mine. I, I changed my pick. I Originally I was thinking Habib – but as as we get closer, and I'm thinking about, it feels like this magic that Dustin having. It feels like the weight of the world on Habib. These things. Now again, then we could go out on Saturday night and Habib could just throw them to the ground and yeah. sit on top of them for 25 minutes. But I changed my pick. So I mean, give me a feeling of kind of what you've seen and, and why. Because again, like I said, I don't think it's just. I don't think it's just me and you. I don't think it's just the people on the ground. I don't even think it's just our staff because maybe they saw so much of Dustin. I get the feeling in the MMA community they're like. Maybe this dude is on something. And if you haven't read Dan Tom's breakdown, by the way, Dan Tom's breakdown was phenomenal yep. about why it isn't just like a hope and a prayer. But, that you know, listen, Dustin's defensive wrestling is better than you give him credit for. He's only been taken down a handful of times, you know, throughout his time as a UFC lightweight. Um, Habib does set a torrid pace to start out with, but he has to slow down at some point because he just can't keep that pace. Meanwhile, Dustin is a guy that may start a little bit slow, but we'll get going late. So, I mean, it's, it's a great, great breakdown from Dan Tom. Dan Tom ended up siding with Dustin Poirier as well. So, just give me an idea what it's like talking to him every week and, and just this, this feeling of this groundswell, I think, of support that are saying, maybe Poirier's the guy. Yeah,
2: I mean, from day one, he's just like, he has that type of confidence that doesn't come across as arrogance, too. Like, he just literally believes in himself. I mean, this guy's been doing it. For a long time, I watched Fightville on the plane ride because we had hours and hours to kill flying <laughs> over here from coming from the trip to Toronto. was Something like sixteen hours, so I had had to do something on the plane. I rewatched because I hadn't seen it in a few years, and like he's had the same mentality kind of from day one when he's fighting dudes in, like, fairgrounds when it's literally being, like, the cage in the entire area is being set up by prison inmates and stuff. Like, yep. it, it's just craziness. and But he's always kind of had that same approach. Like, I'm going to be really good at this. Like, you know, I fight for... My family, like, this is what I know best. And, like, he's just, he's been doing this for a really long time. I think this is, like, his 40th professional fight or something like that professional slash amateur. Like, he knows what he's doing in there, and he's at an amazing camp. Like, we could sit here for hours and talk about everything that American Top Team has oh. achieved over the years. He has, if, He wins this fight, Mike Brown, like, bow to this man because he's just, like, the coach, the GOAT coach, I feel like, of all time. I mean, if he can help Dustin pull this off, my God. Uh, But he has all the right people. I mean, he's working with... Colby Covington's in the gym like he has Sydney Outlaw who's an amazing wrestler who was the person who uh helped Jorge Masvidal prepare for Ben Askren obviously he didn't need to use too much of that but you know <laughs> maybe Dustin comes out with a flying knee and that's the initial open who knows right. anyways um yeah he just has that mentality that he just really knows that he like who he is and I think more so over the years like we can talk about you know the Conor fights and like the fights that he's lost in like these big moments but I think he's kind of a different person now and he's I agree. Learned what those meant for him and, you know, not to mention, uh, the fact that he's fighting at his proper weight class of 155. That's just helped him like fill out a lot more. And he's, he's strong. Like, I don't think he's going to get ragdolled. You look at some of the dudes, uh, Habib has been fighting. Like, I don't think they have just that natural strength. Like, yes, Edson Barboza shredded is in good shape, but like, they just don't have that natural power. Um, just from a physical perspective and i think he just has a very well-rounded skill set and he knows what he does right and what he does wrong uh the only thing that i do worry about is like talking to him so much through this camp he's been saying like how it's been the most taxing camp of his life just because the preparation for all the wrestling and everything and that's what you have to do but there's a very fine balance of like how much do you focus on what the other guy is going to try to do and where he's best and are you neglecting what you're best at and working on you know the things that make you a great fighter so you always you just wonder if you go in there and you're overthinking the takedowns and all those kind of things like who knows man we haven't seen habib fight that much in the past few years at the end of the day so like maybe just the long layoff the fact that maybe there's not a full appreciation of how good conor mcgregor is or just the way that fight went that you just like don't get a full understanding of how good Habib is, and maybe he just comes out and completely reminds us. But I think Dustin has as good of a chance as anyone. He's super well-rounded, you know, black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got – he's only had – think 11 fights in the UFC at lightweight and he already has the second most knockouts in the history of the division crazy so like he you know he's done very well in this division I think you know win or lose it's going to be a good performance for him and he's I do not expect him to get blown out of the water I don't expect him to quit it's going to be he's going to hang in there tooth and nail for every moment whether it's going his way or not
0: I know Conor McGregor says a lot of things but that was one thing that I actually did like that Connor said after that fight was like I focused too much on defense and and I think that's mm-hmm. it's a natural trap to fall into with Habib right because you know you're going to be facing it but if you're just worried about wrestling defense like where, are you, where where does the counterattack come and that sort of thing but so I listen I'm 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 keyed up for this fight I, here's the thing I, I know you went with Dustin as well mm-hmm. is there a moment if if Habib comes out in five seconds picks him up slams him to the floor leg ride is set up and so like. Do you panic then, or do you, or or does it you know at, in round two or round th- like when do you go? Oh God, this is not going to be his night.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably like I guess it just depends on like how much damage he absorbs while he's on bottom if he's able to protect himself. I heard uh, it wasn't in our interview, but I think it was interviewed with ESPN with Brad Okamoto today, just like a little social clip I saw on Twitter, being like, I just need to keep that locked in focus for all 25 minutes if i get picked up and slammed to the ground and then i get up and then he takes me down again and then i get up and he takes me down again i can't like be frustrated or be like you know do something stupid or throw it out the window i think he's like prepared for all scenarios and how this is going to go and i ultimately think he's the more dangerous fighter he has more ways of finishing this fight i think he could submit habib he could knock him out like he he is more I guess, well round. I mean, his striking is definitely better, so he's more well round in that sense, but Habib's just a true specialist. He's so good at doing what he does, but yeah, once you get in that stage, it's like, oh, he's lost two rounds, and then three rounds, like, oh, he needs to finish this fight to win, then, yeah, you start getting worried, and of course, in those fourth and fifth rounds, you're more tired, and all that kind of stuff, so, I mean, it's just fascinating a fight as, as it gets. I think the minus 500 for Habib like is kind of crazy to me, but maybe the public just you know feels that a certain way about <laughs> but it.
0: Right, right and high on the Connor I mean, his profile's never been higher. I think yeah. that's a big part of it. For who did, I, I haven't seen your pick. Who did, who did you end up... S-
1: I went with Poirier as well. Yeah. That yeah. was funny because they asked me in local media yesterday who my pick was.
0: What you tell him? You didn't, t- did you didn't tell him. Know, I didn't know. You went no, with I
1: Habib, <laughs> no, so. no, I didn't go with Habib. I just didn't give a prediction. Oh. I broke <laughs> down the fight, <line. laughs> but, but yeah, like, the reason I picked Poirier, I thought about this a lot. I, I submitted my pick pretty late but it's because Poirier is like battle tested he's gone five rounds he's he has late finishes uh there were stints in fights with uh Gaethje and Barbosa where you felt um sorry uh Gaethje and Alvarez where you felt like the title was going to turn when in Poirier's body language and then he turned it around right. so I, I like that when I saw that I'm like okay like he he's obviously faced adversity in fights he doesn't quit uh, even if there are moments in the fight where you feel like, oh, all right, he's he's going to get finished here. There were these awkward moments in the Alvarez fight and also in the Gaethje fight where he's taken a lot of damage in those fights, managed to turn it around and and win the fight or finish the fight. Right. So that was impressive for me because when you looked at the last fight with Connor, it's like if Connor doesn't get the knockout early, he's going to get tired and and it's like it, you you kind of knew what was going to happen if if that was the case. But with Poirier, it's like and I I don't think Habib underestimating Poirier in that regard either. I think he knows. Um so that that's a, the interesting thing for me is I don't think that he's fought somebody that is as battle tested as as Dustin in in that regard and that's probably why I was leaning towards Poirier because I'm like he's actually still dangerous throughout the whole fight. Um obviously the goal for him is to try not to get dominated no 10 8 rounds early and stuff cuz then that makes it really difficult right. in terms of trying to get the finish right?
0: It's crazy, man. I can't believe all three of us are going it. But I, and, and you know, and, and what's crazy is that because I everything you're saying is accurate. Everything you're saying is accurate. Like it's a hundred percent true. I, I I I echo it a hundred percent. And at the same time, Habib could go out there and just absolutely steamroll him on Saturday night, and I wouldn't be shocked.
2: Yeah, you you never know. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And one, I mean, kind of going off track a little bit. One element that does stand out to me about this fight and the next pay per view as well, like. The interim title thing. We were giving so much crap about these. Like that that was a smooth transition right into this fight. Um, you know, granted no one got hurt. There was right. no like weird stuff, but you know, Israel Adesanya got his interim belt. He's fighting Whitaker. Dustin Poirier got his. He's fighting Habib. At least we're doing uh, it right. They're Yeah, they're <laughs> going to yeah. be now partners in the pay-per-view. Dustin told us that That's yesterday right. in the interview as well. So like this is going to be you know financially life-changing for him. I think win or lose, um, I think the pay-per-view is going to do decent enough. So should do. Yeah, I think you know, there, there's, I guess, that little caveat in the side that you, you must note. That I like at the way he said it, by the
0: way. I like the way he said it, too. He didn't just say, I'm getting points. He's like, I'm a pay-per-view partner for the first time. I'm like, whoa, look at you. I like it.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, hopefully, I mean, I'm not a fan of interim titles as long as we can avoid them, but I think in, the circumstance, it was the right move given Habib's suspension, and yeah. we, we made it happen. So I
0: dig it. I'm, I'm, I'm keyed up now, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Uh, you had a, a, a lengthy sit-down interview uh, with, with Dustin Poirier, and I figured let's bring that to the masses. If anybody hadn't had a chance to check out the video, they can uh, kick it here in, in audio form. So this is uh, Mike Bond's conversation last night with the Diamond Dustin Poirier
2: so uh, Dustin here we are man it's been a, a long journey to get here uh you know, literally and in terms of travel time we're a long way from Lafayette Louisiana but uh just first talk about coming over here long journey for you um what do you think about like on the plane ride and stuff those are long hours where you're just kind of sitting by yourself are you thinking all
3: about the fight are you watching movies what are you doing yeah I think it was 21 hours total time w- w- including a three-hour layover in London yeah I watch movies um think about the fight sometimes try to take a nap Uh, you know just try to stay calm and chill out yeah definitely it's nice to have i'm sure your team around you and whatnot
2: and you land and kind of get a hero's welcome i mean was that even anything beyond what you could have imagined just like you know there's banners for you there's people you know teaching you how to dance just really welcoming you
3: into the culture yeah now it was amazing i've 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 been saying it all week i've fought all over and i've never had a reception like that getting off the airplane i didn't even have to go through customs the uh abu dhabi board of uh entertainment or or came get me from my my plane walked me through back way i went to vip uh arrival it was it was nuts man i was treated like like i was a, a king or something
2: yeah what, what was like those dance moves that they were teaching and stuff like was that a little uh, uncomfortable for you or are you just like enjoying it yeah not
3: because they kind of <laughs> pushed me into it right and uh then I was in, in arms with the guys, and then they started dancing. I was like, ah, i just going to go with the flow. Let's dance. Let's dance it up.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you've been obviously hanging around here a few extra days and stuff. You came in before fight week officially started, but today you kind of got your first true look at open workouts um, in front of the crowd and everything. What was How'd that go relative to your expectations? There was a pretty nice crowd there at the Yaz Mall. Uh, it seems like you got a little bit of a mixed reaction, but what was your takeaway from that?
3: I felt like there was more supporters um, than... People booing me and stuff, you know. Right when I walked in, there was a few Khabib fans with the banner to the left, and uh, I can hear them booing and stuff. And, and but other than that, you know, I heard a lot of people cheering, and, and I think they're just excited to see a good fight.
2: Yeah, know and so you don't feel like anymore. I know you're originally saying like enemy territory, all those things. It doesn't
3: really feel that way so much anymore. Right? No, it's, it's not that I thought I was gonna walk off the plane and it was gonna be. I have to be careful every everywhere. Look around the corner. It's what i thought i was going to be in enemy territory and it's not that at all like i said this is the best place i've come to and been and been received so well um everybody's been nice you know the service everywhere i go is incredible the city's beautiful it's been an amazing trip
2: yeah does that just help you be more relaxed like throughout the process of fight week i mean obviously it's all the you know the night of the fight but just leading up i'm sure it takes a little bit more off your shoulders yeah you know
3: fighting is is stressful. So if, if the week goes smooth, uh, everything's clicking, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like your weight has been, you know, from when we've been
2: talking throughout camp, it's, you know, you came in, I think you said three pounds heavier than when you started the last camp, but it's been working its way down and uh, talking to all your coaches and everyone around you. They're saying, this is the best shape you've been in in your life. The most prepared you've been, um, how can you really like physically gauge that? Like why, you know, how you're in the best shape. Do you just, is it a feeling? Is it, you know, the numbers that you see in terms of
3: like what you're producing and training? the way I feel um, obviously heart rate resting heart rate is a good indicator of, of cardiovascular shape and I'm at the lowest I've ever been uh, in my career because I usually track that type of stuff yeah. my weight's great I did extra stuff to, to get that down because I knew we'd be coming here and, and I knew the fight was going to be taxing I didn't want to uh, cut up too much weight when I was out here mm-hmm. so everything's going smooth um, working with George Lockhart you know, uh, we brought nutritionist chef Eric Pena with us, part of George Lockhart's team. And uh, he's been making my meals all fight week. Usually I do my own thing. And um, no, it's been great, man. Everything's perfect. What kind of stuff are you eating like this close to the fight? I just ate a piece of salmon with some beets, a couple slices of orange. Right now we're cutting carbs out, obviously, but Mm. fats and proteins right now. Yeah, what do you do post weigh in? Do you have like a something
2: that you like to eat, or do you kind of still keep it very clean uh, after weighing in, just because you have to fight the next
3: day? Obviously. I've been on a ten week diet, so it's tough uh, <laughs> yeah. to not grab something here and there after weigh ins before the yeah. fight. But I try my best to keep it clean. Um, yeah, keep it clean and healthy. In uh, pure ingredients, you know, nothing processing, really simple stuff.
2: Yeah. Do you feel like obviously, you know, you're not training super hard this last week or so, but you've talked about how grueling the camp was, you know, all those days of wrestling and just preparing for the style that you're going to face. Um, like, do you feel now at this point though, like very fresh going into the fight
3: despite having that grueling camp? Yeah. Uh, fight fight week. I've been like this my whole career. I don't, I don't do a lot of crazy training on fight week. I like some guys like to do intense stuff. Uh, I'll roll around light, hit pads, break sweats, here and there and that's all I do I I don't push it too crazy I'll go for a morning run you know depending on uh, where my weight's at and stuff but uh like, this week is the week to heal. I've been grinding for 10 straight weeks. Mm-hmm. This is to let my body heal and, and come together and be the best.
2: Yeah. And talking about, a little bit about the actual fight with Habib, uh, you know, everyone kind of asked you about the undefeated fighter and, you know, everything you've been through and stuff. Um, but going into this, like, he hasn't faced a ton of adversity in his fights, really. Like, moments he's had to come back through in the actual fights. There's, you know, maybe Michael Johnson landed some nice straight punches. had some Barboza landed like a nice spinning kick and stuff. But how important, you know, how do you think he's going to react in those moments when you, have to put him in some adversity i know there's a lot of guesswork that goes into fighting and you don't really know exactly but how do you kind of feel about it
3: i mean i think he's going to be tough and and grind through if he hits adversity he's going to keep pushing forward seems like that kind of guy but you know, until, until he, we see it happen or, or until he's put in that position, it's tough to say, uh, I, don't, I really don't know. But the plan is to put him in those positions. Mm-hmm.
2: Who do you think has more pressure going into this fight? I mean, you've had such a long road to this fight, uh, you know, the second longest road to a title unifier, undisputed title fight in UFC history behind Michael Bisping. He's, you know, fighting here at home, uh, you know, has his father in his corner for the first time in the UFC career, kind of this event more or less is built around him in a lot of ways for this market. Um, do you think there's more pressure on him to kind of perform than
3: you who've obviously, uh, you know, had a really long road to this opportunity? I always put a lot of pressure on myself, but uh, he he probably has more pressure to perform. You know, um, everybody's counting me out, right? I can only do better than what they think. You know, I'm, I'm not so... They're holding him to such a high standard, he has to go out there and dominate me, right? Or or he's going to do less than, than everybody expects him to do. Right. So I think he, he probably has more pressure coming into that.
2: Yeah, fair enough. And you've said in a few interviews, like in the past few days, if you win this fight, you feel you're the best lightweight ever. Uh, when did this idea pop into your head? Because I hadn't heard you really
3: express that until just very, very recently. Just the 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 run I'm on right now. You know, If I go out there and stop Khabib, that's the current featherweight champ, the current lightweight champ beat them both back-to-back. Then look at the other champs I beat, Pettis, Eddie, Gaethje. I mean, that's a lot of champions in a row. And um, the perseverance I've had to show to get to this point, to even have this opportunity, I think, is a part of that story of being the best. Mm -hmm. You have, that reminds me, the word perseverance.
2: Since November 12th, 2016, you've had that tweet uh, posted on your profile, you know, pinned up there. It's all about perseverance. And you've kept it up there for years at this point. Um, how much does that depict kind of your attitude and everything you've been through? I know you've talked a lot about, you know, you have 25 minutes to make life fair and everything. But is that something you just keep up there to remind yourself of maybe the lows you've experienced or anything like that?
3: Yeah, that's just, that's doesn't just matter to fighting that's anything you just got to keep chipping away stay true to the path like I've always said and Mm -hmm. have self-belief and you can make you know pretty much anything happen if you just keep pushing forward keep pushing forward keep pushing forward and that's that's what fighting is and then that's what a lot of things in life accomplishing great things is that just consistency and uh persevering through through bad times and and you know I'm gonna have to do that Saturday night you know adversity's probably going to present itself to me once again in a fight, and I'm going to have to persevere through that, get to the next round, and dig deep you know i know it's probably going to be that type of fight with khabib and and but i'm prepared for that and I'm, and I'm ready for that
2: yeah and it seems like you know you do everything right you carry yourself very well you do the stuff outside the cage with the charity and everything it seems like you win this fight you're going to be a very uh, model champion for the ufc i'm curious what you think about habib i haven't really ever heard you talk about you know the brawl and stuff everything that happened after the connor fight do you think he carries himself like that he's being a good champion for the ufc that he's you know
3: conducted himself more or less like he should uh first off uh I'm I'm happy to be painted in that light but I'm I'm a a man and do dumb stuff all the time and say dumb stuff and you know I'm not perfect by, by far but I'm just trying to to use my platform for the good and uh you know just be a good person uh, it, it just feels good it feels right and uh, you know but I don't want to paint myself in that that picture, the perfect champ. I'm I'm right. just a guy chasing dreams and, and trying to help other people out along the way. Khabib seems very respectful. I mean, mm-hmm. getting into the fight after the after the uh, counter, counter match, I don't judge him his personality just by that moment. Right. You know, um, so far he's, I think he's been very respectful in the build up to this fight with me. <laughs> I never see him really bad mouthing people leading up to other fights. Uh, other than that, I don't know him personally. I don't really read a lot of news about him or st- what, what's going on in, in his personal life. I don't know.
2: Right, for sure. And I mean, you, But you are doing a lot of very good stuff outside the cage as well. Maybe for people who aren't following it super closely, can you just remind them exactly what you're doing for this fight with the Good Fight Foundation and working uh, with Justin Wren and Fight for
3: the Forgotten? Yeah, me and Justin Wren, um, our charities are teaming up. And we're building a solar powered well for the Pygmy people in Uganda. They recently had a really bad flood, and uh, it ruined their water system at an at a orphanage and school there. So we, we set a goal. You can donate at thegoodfightgroup.com or Fight for the Forgotten. And uh, we're going to also build a water tower. So this is the first time my charity has gone outside of the, of the U.S., and first time it's gone outside of Louisiana. And I knew this was a big fight, and I had an even bigger platform to use so we wanted to, to try to do the biggest things we could and this kind of came together really smoothly with justin my wife reached out to him and he said and just let us know how um, recently, they had a flood that ruined the water supply, and I knew right away. I said, "Okay, we're going to run with this. Let's do it. Let's make this happen." And it just felt when it when it feels right and things just sink together smoothly. That's that's how I know it's the right thing we're doing. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I'm sure uh, furthering your own financial situation will help you know
2: build this even bigger. And I'm curious, you told me a few fights ago that you had signed the new UFC contract that had championship language in it, and then you got the interim title, which you know Dana had said uh, that kind of brings you into the fold a little bit in terms of you know getting the championship pay um without going you know too much into details but is this fight the payday that it's going to bring is that going to be you know
3: a life-changing thing for you your wife your daughter all those things it just depends on how the pay-per-view does right you know this is my first fight being a pay-per-view partner with the ufc Um i see some some articles saying that it's trending to do very well you know for my sake i hope it does obviously um but yeah we'll see when the pay-per-view numbers come in yeah
2: yeah and uh, i mentioned jolie quickly there it's your guys 10 year anniversary today today uh, wedding anniversary i mean uh does that i know she's not here yet for the fight but she will be soon does that make you you know step back a little bit and kind of reflect on the bigger picture of you know everything you've been through and your guys' journey together
3: for sure um she she landed in dubai last night she was texting me she texted me today uh she's gonna drive here tomorrow she's with family uh in dubai for the day Mm -hmm. and um it's just so far away from where we came from, you know, to, to be spending my 10 year wedding anniversary um, in Abu Dhabi is just like, I couldn't have thought that, you know, I couldn't have dreamed that whenever I was a young kid you know 19 or 20 getting married um it's crazy man it's it's, it's a dream I'm, I'm living it up
2: yeah and I was watching uh, fight Phil again recently just you know to, in preparation for this week and everything do you I mean how often do you sit back and kind of reflect on you know where you've come from since then to where you are now and is it you know maybe tough to do that sometimes because you need to focus on the now and you obviously have so much more ahead of you that you want to
3: do too yeah I uh you know I've, I've been in a lot of big fights and and that movie fightville captured a, a chunk of my a, end of my amateur career and beginning of my pro career mm-hmm. so it's awesome to have that but i, I don't really I, I don't even talk about it that much you know a lot of people don't even know mm-hmm. about the film um newer fans don't know yeah. about the film uh I, i've probably seen it once in the last four or five years right. uh, maybe after this one after i not could be i'll go home and uh Watch it. It'll be that much sweeter, man.
2: Yeah, so that's uh, – we can end it very shortly here, but that's kind of how you're feeling this fight's going to go. Do you sense a knockout there? You are actually uh, tied for the second most knockouts in the history of the lightweight division. So if you do knock him out, you'll be number one on that list now.
3: That's great because my I, my UFC career was half spin at featherweight. Right. You know, and I have yep. a few knockouts there, so I would be on top of that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Another record uh, added to the, to the strap. Yeah. Is that the most likely way? I know uh, one of
2: your coaches had mentioned he had a dream that you submitted him, but do you feel like the when you watch it play out, is the
3: knockout something you kind of see more? I don't know. Um, I just feel I'm going to finish him. You know, I, I, I think I can submit him, and um, I think I can knock him out. It just depends how the fight unfolds and what mistakes he makes. Awesome. Well, uh, we're
2: really looking forward to it. Dustin. I really appreciate you taking the time and kind of the special environment here. You got a really cool villa and everything to help you prepare for this fight. And actually, one last thing, I did want to ask: Why do you not spend the fight weeks in the fighter hotel and kind of decide to do your own thing here?
3: Because uh, when I was younger with the UFC, I used to spend fight week with the with the in the fighter hotel and get <laughs> moved around and schooled around by the UFC in the in the transport they set up and and stuff. But I just felt like I was being to like part of a of a of a system with that you know right. i just wanted to get away from the fighters and the fans hanging out at the hotel and do my own thing like i do every day we so we rent a car and um, do my own thing show up to the to the the places ufc needs us for open workouts or media interviews whatever's whatever they send me my itinerary i show up to those things and that's it you know i, I don't need to be schooled around and brought to the grocery store at, at a point in my career when i couldn't you know, afford to like rent a Airbnb or rent a car when I was fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, obviously I didn't, but at this point, I like to be away from it
2: yeah and just last thing uh, you've mentioned so many times of visualizing this moment making it happen what's the thing once you win this fight on Saturday that you are most excited for to or you most look forward to for is it to uh, you know say to Jolie that you know uh, promise is completely fulfilled now that I'm going to be a world champion is it to go home to Parker
3: what's the thing that you know makes you most excited just to, to Get all the way to the pinnacle, you know, because there's always going to be people saying, "I am, a, I did it, I, I, I did it. I'm a world champion, mm-hmm. you know. I, I checked that box." This fight is about starting a legacy. It's about doing something that's never been done, being the first to climb that mountain, um, and just being great, you know. I have an opportunity to be great, do something that's never been done in a in a place that's far away and built for this event. It, it just feels really special to me, mm-hmm. you know, but. When i get back home to my daughter we're going to the zoo i'm looking forward to that awesome
2: well yeah. excited. thank you so much for the time dustin now we're looking forward to saturday
3: thank you
0: all right that was dustin the diamond poirier taking a habib and never going made off in the main event usc 242 and you know what if you're as keyed up as we are You might as well get a little fantasy action. DraftKings.com taking care of the MMA Roadshow this week. You want to have a little fun do it the wait is finally over two of the top names in mma are finally facing off as the lightweight champ takes on his toughest opponent yet DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports is putting you in the middle of the biggest fight of the year with a contest that has over two hundred thousand dollars up for grabs if you haven't tried it yet fantasy mma is easy to play i always tell people just having a dollar on the line makes fights a little bit more interesting maybe you don't necessarily know a whole lot about the fighters involved but you can put a little team together, make a little money on the side. It makes things kind of interesting through the night. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than with DraftKings. And if you're listening to the roadshow, you're probably hardcore MMA, so you might as well try to make a little money off it. Nothing makes fight night more exciting than when you have DraftKings lined up on the line. Plus, all new and existing users, even if you already have an account, this isn't one of those things where you know they give you like the Sunday ticket for free with TV for the first year, but if you're already there, you get screwed. No, no, no. Existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. So download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. Use the promo code ROAD, that's R-O-A-D, like the road show, and sign up to compete for over $200,000 in prizes. And don't forget, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's promo code ROAD. Sign up and claim your deposit up to 500 bucks only at DraftKings. Minimum of a $5 deposit required, and the deposit bonus does require a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. That's how you do a read, Mike Bonner. That was smooth, my friend. That was Professional, smooth. man. That's how it we is. do it. It is. That's why the top sponsors come to the M.A. shows because they want that John Morgan read. All right. No doubt about it, man. This is a – I don't want to call it a one-fight card, I mean but that's that's the big focus is too two title fights. But let's let's talk about this main card real quick. Uh, Edson Barbosa versus Paul Felder, of course. That's a, a very, very intriguing rematch there. Probably a – I won't say a totally different fight than the first time around because their styles, I mean, they are who they are. It's going to be exciting, no question about it. But, um, you know, certainly different fighters at this time around, especially for Felder who was, who was green. Um, give me your thoughts on that one, guys. I mean, I all action, right? It's, I mean, it's got to be. There's no way that fight's going to suck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to Barbosa. He was saying if, that was, like, if our last one was fighting and I'd just wait until Saturday. Mm. So he, he, he's expecting a, another war. He's been in a few wars himself, and so is Falder. So I, I feel like this up on paper just can't can't go wrong. I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like I feel like it can't go wrong. We're and, totally jinxing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just one of those fights where I feel like they're just going to stand in the middle and throw.
0: Should be a lot of fun. Let's talk about what we've seen this week, okay? Because here's the interesting part, too. Stylistically, we know – I, I don't think there's going to be any real surprises, I mean, in what they bring to the table, right? But I think as a whole, all of us um, – were a little bit underwhelmed by Edson Barbosa's workout yesterday, that maybe he was a little maybe a little sluggish, maybe a little, uh, I don't know, disinterested, a little lethargic maybe. Um, at media day today as well. I think, you know, some people were saying, oh, he didn't really seem it. Meanwhile, you got Paul Felder who is – Fire. Well, yeah, well, well, he, well, he's on fire. I mean, he's great. I mean, he's, he's amazing on the mic. You know, he was having a good workout. He was dropping, you know, his, his speech afterwards. He was yeah. giving great lines. But – you do always wonder with him, or at least or at least I do, um, you know, not that he's half in the game. I mean, it's not like he's, like, fighting and then, I don't know, chasing some completely different career. I mean, his other career of broadcasting is still being involved with fighting every day, breaking down fights. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in some ways you could say maybe it helps his game, maybe it helps his knowledge. But on the other hand, it is a distraction from – that person who is literally spending all day, every day, just getting ready for fights. So, I don't know, uh, are there question marks to you guys around Paul Felder? Or are there question marks around Edson Barbosa? I mean, what did you take after, after seeing them and, and talking to them both this week?
2: I think more so, uh, I mean, first of all, would you believe that Edson Barbosa is two and a half years younger than Paul Felder? That is crazy. That's, like That kind of blows my mind. <laughs> insane. How long he's been around, but... Uh, I did have the chance to speak to, you know, our good friend and the uh, friend of the podcast, Alex Davis, who, of course, is uh, Edson Barbosa's manager. And he said that, you know, granted, the Justin Gaethje fight did not go his way. And he kind of got lured into exactly what he said he wasn't going to do with Justin Gaethje, which, you know, happens from time to time. Um, But he feels, you know, that was, I believe, his first camp at American Top Team mm-hmm. uh, for that fight and he feels like this one like it really clicked for him just working with the coaches and the training partners and everything and he feels like this is probably going to you know, bring Makes out Edson's sense. best and Edson said you know I'm going to be my best version ever which of course is like very typical pre-fight talk training course, right? camp feeling good yeah stuff like that but you know there could be some stuff to it he had another child come you know the night of the loss to Justin Gaethje I remember right. he, you know seeing him in the hotel at like 3am and he had to change his flight just to get home because his wife was in Labor, like craziness. So he probably has that motivation. He has the confidence of knowing he already beat this guy once before. So like, I think this is, but this is an important fight for Edson Barboza. He loses. He's one in four in his past five. Which it's say crazy. whatever you want about the competition. Like at some point, you got to keep winning, or yep. you got to get a win here and there. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Paul Felder is just. He's a very interesting character in the game. I think he knows that like he kind of has one run left in him here and he's not going to like stick around too long and uh you know just be doing that thing like taking fights for no reason. I feel like he needs a purpose in his career and that's kind of what he's trying to move forward with. So I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how that one plays out, you know, rematches years later, always kind of fascinating. And I feel like in a way, this is trying to set up Paul Felder to get the win, kind of move up there a little bit. We know he's a friend of the UFC family there, so, uh, you know... To me, if you like told me just randomly this fight's happening on this card, you wouldn't think this is a co main event pay per view fight. Right. Like it's just it doesn't really fit that mold. But, you know, you kinda wanna showcase Paul Felder a little bit, give him the chance to redeem a loss and all that. So I think it's all set up for Paul to Make something happen here, but Edson Barbosa is always going to be dangerous. That guy can, you know, spin and kick you or land a crazy flying knee at any moment.
0: I went, to, I ended up going with Edson Barbosa, and uh, but I'm 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 a little worried with my pick right now. Yeah, Paul, mean, pa- it feels pa- like a toss up. It does. It, it, yeah. pa- it is, yeah. Paul Paul's become such an amazing interview too, though, man. He just again. He just he he inspires you a little bit. He just he seemed great at the workouts. You have strong feelings one way or another on this one.
1: I I picked Felder, but I just feel like there are different points in their career. Like Felder's won three of his last four. Barbosa's lost lost three of his last four. Uh, Felder's super motivated to get this one back. I mean, he he said you could see how fired up he was at the open workouts, yeah. and uh, for him to be able to avenge a loss that was early in his career. I believe he stepped in on short notice, third fight in the UFC. Uh, to do it on a pay-per-view card with Habib headlining co-main event, it's it's got to feel like super special for him. Whereas Barbosa's been in bigger fights before, so he may not be enamored, or, or like this might be not might not be that glamorous for him. Right. Uh, uh, this event, uh, I feel like Paul Felder's like kind of taking the moment in more. So when you look at those things. That's probably why I'm leaning Felder, but Barbosa is so dangerous. Like we saw what he did to Dan Hooker, yeah, uh, who's really, really good by the really way. Good. Like the fact that Dan Hooker was able to bounce back, like that kind of just shows you how good he is. He's one of the more underrated uh, lightweights. So barbosa is always dangerous. He can he can finish you at any time in any way. Um, so I feel like you know he's he's not one to be underestimated. If you go by by on paper record and what's gone with the, gone on with him the past couple of fights, then. I'm probably leaning Felder just because I just feel like – I don't know, it's just a feeling, but I feel like he's a lot more motivated and to mm-hmm. get this one back.
0: All right, top two fights have definitely got the most attention I anything. But I, I want to just point out something a little bit. Now, the main card, it doesn't like it doesn't immediately scream like, oh, star-studded lineup. Yeah, But I'm actually pretty excited about this. It's the Makachev versus Davi Hamos. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge Dobby Hamos guy. Like I, I think this dude is legit. I, I think people have been sleeping on him. Probably, I mean, he's not a big talker or anything, but just – and, and, of course, Makachev has been the guy that everybody's been wanting for. It. So the, the stylistic matchup between these two, I think is phenomenal. I think these are top-tier guys that are trying to break through that next level. And the way their styles match up in terms of wrestling versus jiu-jitsu, I think it's great. Curtis Blades, love Curtis. I will say Shamil Abdurakimov, that would be the one name on the main card that I'm not the most <laughs> excited about. i have just been no disrespect <laughs> to Shamil Abdurakimov, but he doesn't have the most exciting style in the world. He definitely doesn't have the most exciting interviews in the world. Um, you know, hey, it, He's on the longest – Active winning streak in the UFC heavyweight division. Right that now. is insane. Three fights after <laughs> Daniel Cormier lost. That is ridiculous. So I'm not. I'm not. I will be. I'm not as fired up about that one, but Makachev-Hamos I'm fired up about. And I'm. And, and you mentioned earlier like visa issues and things. Like yeah. Marabek Tysimov being yeah, on a pay per view. Yeah, this fine. guy is so legit. I love Marabek Tysimov, but. Diego Ferreira, you know he's got he's got the yeah. Fortis MMA connections, and he's a fun fighter as well. Like when he's on, he's tough to deal with. So I will say, if you're sleeping on the main card, I love Makachev-Hamos, and I love ferreira Tyson. I think these are going to be good fights. You guys, those those three main card matchups are, are you are you one you're most excited about, or one name that that, that stands out to you?
1: I feel like Tyson because a lot of people have been asking about him. He had that Usada issue, and then the the visa issues, and a lot of people felt like he should get a ranked opponent. Uh, but Diego Fea is that like kind of one of those guys that he's unranked but he he's dangerous, dangerous. so it's like one of those fights where you feel like uh, Diego has more to gain than than Marebeck does just because I, d- I don't think people have forgotten about Merbach that's the thing like they they keep bringing him up again and again he's he's on a six fight win streak I believe five knockouts so Shh. yeah so he, he's an exciting fighter for sure and I just feel like I mean, he said it, I believe, that this f- after this fight, it's like a ranked opponent for him next, and he's hoping to, to get the, the visa issues uh, resolved.
0: That dude is dangerous. I, I've been on that, that train for a while, but it's just been so hard to get going because he's, he's fighting once a year or whatever, hit. and yeah. it's always an overseas card because he can't yeah. come to say and, something. And that's
2: the issue with the matchmaking. Like, you know, yeah. they, they have, and, you know, maybe this is unfair or whatever, but because he's on six-fight winning streak, but if you're the matchmakers and you're trying to build a division and build up contenders, why are you sacrificing a top 15 guy who could potentially lose to someone who may not fight for another full year or may never be able to get to the United States to fight? Like, there is kind of things that... That go on behind the scenes into the thinking that of like course. you know this is just how do we build
0: this guy that we can't take advantage of yeah exactly so that's the problem and I'll I take advantage of that sounds really <laughs> bad <bashing. laughs> <Right>. but <laughs> I can't, I can't utilize, utilize him in the proper way hundred <laughs> percent and you
2: just wonder too with him I mean I know he's still a young guy but I think it's what one fight a year since twenty fifteen yeah like, at some point that window is going to close on him and you just wonder like is this a guy who we're just maybe we either missed it, like him hitting his full potential, or it's never going to happen because these issues are going to persist. And uh, that's a bit of a bummer. But, yeah, anytime we do get to see him compete, it's great stuff. But it just doesn't happen as often as we'd like.
0: And Makachev, again, like a, a guy that had been uh, heavily hyped. He had a tough test last time out. Uh, so I, I think this is a big kind of proving moment for him. And I think you mentioned earlier, Mike, that you know, he wants to headline a, a, an event at some point during this partnership. I mean, this is a moment for him to kind of to break out. But it's a, it's a tough fight for him
1: yeah for sure that's the because like his last fight as well against Armin, like that that's a that's a tough guy yep. and he's got that win now over Obama Merced so he he he's good, but I don't think people got the opportunity to see how good he or actually the opposite actually like his performance even though he lost right um but that's the risky thing for uh, for Islam as well he's taking on davi hamos who is legit but legit. like shit but a, not a lot of people know about him yep. so if he loses that fight it sets him way back Yep. where Davi Hamas, it sets him way up. So he's got a lot to lose in, in this fight. And I'm I'm wondering if the matchmaking, because on paper, the fights are great. Mm-hmm. But when you look at them, it's like it's not really an easy win for them we're trying no. to push them. But th- at the same time, they're fighting guys that are relatively unknown uh, to them like... MMA fans that don't know the sport very well. So it is a dangerous fight for him to take. And he's been getting a lot of attention, obviously, because he he trains with Habib and he's on the card with Habib. So uh, it'll be interesting. If he wins, it's great for him because... He he's he's getting a lot of media attention as well. If he doesn't, I feel like it sets him back a lot. So it's a pretty risky fight.
0: It does. I'm telling you, the main the main guard I think I think we're gonna be in for some, some good fights. Alright, we'll step away real briefly. I talked to you guys, uh I, I, I was speaking to guest in, uh, guest fighters today. They are very impressive. again, just showing you the support that the UFC is dealing for this partnership. Yeah. Man, the guest fighters that are here yeah is insane. I mean top level talent, like and there's eight guest fighters, normally it's like two or three and they're all like champions or contenders. It's insane. Uh, I had a chance to speak to one of them, and uh, that was Kelvin Gassum, Of course, he just got the fight announced with Darren Till, uh, and I hadn't had a chance to speak with him since then. So, kind of got his thoughts on the matchup and what it's like to to come back after that battle. You know, it's funny, uh, and, w- and we get into it right away. But you know, out you got so much credit for you know what he showed in that fight, but. Kelvin showed that same dog in him, you know, he just came up short, I mean, that was an epic clash. So, uh, anyway, here's here is uh, here's my conversation from earlier today with, with Kelvin Gastelum. You're back, man, it's, it's, dude, it's been a while, hey. honestly, so, you know, we, we hadn't seen you in a while, man. The battle you went through, man, obviously, yeah. physical, mental, yeah, I mean, give me an idea what the recovery was like, and like, was, was it the physical recovery that was tougher, yeah. or was it the mental, the emotional recovery that was tougher? Uh, it was
4: definitely just the, the physical, it was all, all physical, you know, because uh, emotionally and mentally, I'm okay you know, I can accept the loss as a man, but physically, man, I took a lot of damage and uh, I had to make sure I stepped away from the gym to may- be able to make sure my body was 100% before I start pounding on it again, you know?
0: Israel got a lot of uh, praise, you know what I mean? Like digging deep in that fifth round, I mean, that battle that you had, but. You were in that same battle, you were in those same trenches, you know yeah. what I mean? Did you, did you take something out of that? I mean, I know, I know you would have much preferred the win. For sure. But to go through something like that, to be in a battle like that. Yeah. Like, did you
4: take something out of it like, yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, obviously to be that close to winning a world title, I mean, against a guy like Izzy, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's devastating and I went back and I've studied the film millions of times and I've seen the little things that I've done wrong how I can make them better, the things that I did good, how I can make them be great. Um, so, I mean, for the next one, man, I'm excited because all those things that I know I can m- improve, I'm gonna put it into this next fight and it's just, I just realized that I got pushed to my limit and my limit was was, was way above it, you know? It, 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 what I mean is uh, I got pushed m- past my limits and I got to realize that there, is, there, 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 I don't have any limits, man. I can go past that now. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the future because it just it just opens up my eyes to so many things more.
0: That's awesome. How did you decide it's time? I mean, you, you know, like you said, yeah, went through damage, you rested up. Like you said, I'm sure it was tough being that close. You know, so how did you decide? Yep, I'm good. Let's let's get back in there.
4: I guess I do a pretty good job listening to my body. You know, once it's once my body is healed and I feel like it's healed and I go in there and I and I feel good in training, like. My body's telling me, like, it's time, you know, and, and I just listen to the body. That's what it is.
0: A lot of us were surprised by this matchup. I'm sure you saw the stories out there. People were like, why yeah. Till fighting Kelvin And Danny came out and said, Till wanted this fight. Did you want this fight? I mean, did they just come to you with it, or were you like, oh, if he's coming up, let's do it? How did well, this I know. Go?
4: I know what all the headliners have been saying, but this is what it was like from my side, okay? Um, I wanted the fight. I asked Ali, Ali, let's get this fight going. He texted Mick and Dana and Sean. They all loved it, except Dana. So I guess they approached Darren with the fight. And um, I think at first they said no. I think at first they said no. Um, And then all of a sudden uh, Darren comes out with the... uh, Well, before I get into that, Darren had said no, according to my manager. And so I, I, I'm thinking, maybe I'm, I'm, I might be able to fight till late November, maybe even December, maybe even till next year, because we're trying to get like a top five fighter. Paul Coast is fighting for the title next. Yoel just lost. I'm still waiting on the Izzy and Rob situation. Jack Hermeson's got a fight with Cannon here. So we're waiting on one of those big fights. Uh, but then I, I, I texted Ali and told him, hey, what do you think about Darren Till? He's moving up. He's a big name, you know, and, and I just want to fight in Madison Square Garden, <laughs> you know. And um, and sure enough, he, he texted Sean, he texted Mick, he texted Dana. I guess everybody loved it except Dana. They went ahead and, and, and approached Darren with the fight. He said no. Then all of a sudden, he comes out with the uh, Instagram post calling me out. I'm like, all right. So he wants to fight, okay. Interesting. But... um at the same time, I, I just don't think it's, it's a fight that's worth, at first, my thought was like, I, I don't know if it's worth it for me to accept this kind of fight because he is coming off to fight win streak. I feel like I'm still in title contention, you know, and I feel like I should get one of those top guys, um, but I want to fight Madison Square Garden.
0: That's awesome. I do wonder, it's an interesting situation, right, like, here's a guy that's a top welterweight. Who has a little bit of trouble making weight, so he moves up to middleweight. I mean, boy, doesn't that
2: sound familiar? You know what I mean? So,
0: so what do you think? I mean, obviously you've been through that. What, what do you think he's thinking in this moment? You know, I mean, like, is he like, is he gonna feel better? Is he gonna feel that middleweight's weird? I mean, what's
4: that? What's that first step into a new division life? It's a little scary, man. It's a little scary. The guys are a little bit bigger. They hit a little harder, but they are a little slower. it's a little scary, man. I don't think it's gonna be an easy transition for him. I think, uh, I think he's gonna have trouble with these bigger guys and and and, uh, and competing at this weight class. To be honest, I just don't. He hasn't fought guys that, that, this big. I don't think. I, has had he fought in middleweight before? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I have been fighting middleweights my entire career. I went down to welterweight for a little stint, but then I went back up.
0: What's your goal here, man? Because like you said, you were this close, right? I mean, it's still, I mean, that's you, you guys got a fantastic division. Your name's right there. I mean, are you thinking about where does this put me? How does this put me in the title picture? I mean, are you thinking about all that at all? Or is this more just about, like you said, you want to fight at Madison yeah. Square Garden. Obviously, you want to stay busy. Absolutely. I mean, are we, are we, are we thinking about where this leaves me, where this puts me, how this yeah. factors into a title shot? Or are we just thinking, let's just get in there and have some fun?
4: Um, a little bit of both, but definitely I, I put a lot of thought into who my opponent is and why I'm fighting him and will it get me to the title shot? Will it get me closer to where I want to go? Definitely ask those questions and none of those um, apply to Darren Till. I just, <laughs> you know, I don't think if I win it's not going to get me a title shot, it's not going to get me closer. Um, but I just think I need to go out there and make a statement against a guy like Darren Till, you know? Uh, because of my last performance, I want to go out there, I want to show that I'm still hungry, I'm still in contention, and I'm still one of the best guys around, this is weight class. So what type of
0: fight in your head do you think we see? I mean, uh, obviously you just went through one of the most epic battles of all time. Like, yeah. do you want to go do that again, you know <laughs> what I mean? Or are you like, nah, <laughs> you know, first uh, round knockout, call today.
4: day. I mean, what, what, what kind of fight are we going to see here? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a short fight. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to go and, and, and have another war. Um, I'm going to work hard so that I can be able to fit, put this guy away.
0: All right. That was Kelvin Gastelum weighing in on his new matchup, admitting that, you know, he didn't really necessarily love the idea at first, but, uh, Know, it's the it's the biggest name available to them, and uh, and I think it does make sense when you consider the fact that everybody's uh, kind of tied up right now at the top of the division. Then hey, at least you can bring in a big name, even if you're not getting somebody that's ranked. So anyway, hey, listen, if uh, if you like what you're listening to, and I, I mean I think you should look at these experts that are here, just bringing you the knowledge. Uh, do us a favor and uh, make sure that uh, you're subscribed in iTunes if you can. Log in, rate us, give us five stars if you can, review us. Uh, you could be like. My man right here, Feliciano MMA, said this is a fun show from two guys. Well, today it's two guys and a girl, but I know what he means. From two guys that the community, the MMA community respect. It's two guys who love talking about MMA and their enthusiasm is contagious. Always learning something new about a fighter or an event when listening to the show. Highly recommend for any fight fan. So thank you for that, sir. I appreciate that. All right, let's talk about the prelims here, guys. Uh." Interesting. You know what's funny is, um, well, I guess it's not funny because we'll get to why the first women's fight ever to be contested here. and are not actually uh, just one. There's two of them. Um, but I did see. I was, uh, you know, I've, uh, as as we were hanging around the host hotel and working, um, I've seen a couple of papers and things, and I have picked it up. And I mean, that's been a storyline here. So it's yeah, not for sure. just like. And I actually did hear. Um, and I don't know if this is the case moving forward, but I was actually told that um, the UFC was basically told to have a women's fight on here. So I guess the Abu Dhabi government wanted to have a women's fight, which I guess um, tolerance, is, you know, growth, progression, <laughs> yeah. you know, I guess that's what they want to do. So two women's fights on here. joint Calderwood versus Andrew Lee is actually a, a very meaningful fight. Of course, yep. Calderwood was in a fight that a lot of us thought was probably a number one contender fight. Didn't end up being that way. She lost to Chukagian, very, very close fight. Now Chukagian's fighting Maya, but... We were talking about the guest fighters. Valentina Shevchenko is here. I spoke to her. She said that, you know, she really thought she was going to fight Chukagin and Maya. Now they're fighting each other, and they're fighting in November. Valentina Shevchenko wants to fight before the end of the year. So I asked her. I was like, well, you know Maya, and, and they're not going to turn around Chukagin. So, like, Calderwood Lee, could the winner here maybe do it for you? And she said, yeah, yeah, you know, the, well, the winner might – you know, maybe this could be a number one contender fight. So interesting there. Um Lerone Murphy is a, is a, a late-notice guy coming in. the Lauren Murphy, I think, on ESPN for a while, which is funny. She can't get her name messed up so much. But, uh, Barb? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Barb. So great. Uh, but I don't know. It, a, a lot of names in here. I know that you've, uh, you did some great interviews with Bilal Muhammad as well. I mean, we, give me an idea kind of what's standing out to you uh, most ab- about this prelims or, or something that people could kind of latch on to or, or get excited about.
1: Well, there are a couple of things. Well, Dom Madras has been a guy that that he's an exciting prospect. And uh, he hasn't fought in a while. And I asked him that. I'm like, where have you been and stuff? And he's like, nothing really. He's like, I've been training, helping Cyborg train. And then he's like, I want it on the Stockholm card. And then he had a management issue, changed management. He's with Paradigm now. and, And they got in this fight. So, um he was supposed to fight Magomed Mustafive which he was really excited about right. um, he thought it was a USADA issue with Mustafive so he got really angry on social media and stuff and then he's like I found out it wasn't
0: that's right did he post like <laughs> yeah, yeah. USADA and like no it wasn't
1: no it wasn't because the fans started telling him USADA <laughs> they're probably like going with what it typically <laughs> could be and then he, he went with it and then he's like oh I felt bad because I found out he was he was sick or something like that Whoops. Um, <laughs> but he's he's just excited to fight I think it's been a while he, he had a like a great knockout in his, his debut against Tay Edwards and right you want to build off of that so I think his name has been a bit in the, in, in the headlines because of Cyborg which has been good for him right. and and, and uh, the light shed on South African MMA but now he gets to, to fight in, in Abu Dhabi he kicks off and I think he's just excited to fight to be honest like he doesn't right. like he doesn't care who he's fighting and uh, he's another guy that people have been wondering where he's been so I think he's one to watch for sure and then you've got like Bilal is he, he's a great fighter you know he's on the cusp of the top 15 he had that loss to Jeff Neal But uh, he was on a solid win streak before that. Uh, He's a guy that will fight anyone. And I always ask him about that. I'm like, how come? This is a tough assignment. Exactly. You're fighting a guy who's only fought once in the UFC. He had a good finish over Ben Saunders, but uh, but that doesn't care. He takes any fight. He's always had criticism towards guys who will call out people or be like, I won't fight. He's like, the problem is people in the top 15 are are afraid to lose their ranking, which is why they won't fight a guy like him. So he doesn't care. And and that approach is great for the fans, but it's also a bit risky because when you're on a nice win streak and you fight a tough guy that that may not have the name or the ranking – It might push you behind, but for him, he just fights anybody... But what's funny is like he they're not giving him the attention I feel like he deserves. He wasn't in the open workouts. He's not in the media day. Which right. I'm really surprised about because I'd say, um I know he's not based in the Middle East, but if you're looking at the fighters on the card, yeah, he he's well he respected in the ties. UFC. Yep. He's well respected in the UFC. He's got some really good wins. It's not like it's his debut or anything and uh he he had that joke where he's like, I'll do push ups outside of Starbucks and right. the fans actually showed up. So he he had a lot of people come come take pictures with him, which was cool, but I just I was telling him, I'm like, it's weird that they don't have you in the open workouts. They don't have you in media day. I just found the whole thing weird, especially that he's been speaking out about a lot of these things, like yep. what it means for him as a Palestinian fighter and, and uh, a lot of Muslims being on the card. So he's been speaking about issues outside of fighting. So you would think the spotlight would be on him from the local media as well. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm trying to do my part. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, what's going on? It was a little bit weird because I'm like, this guy has has solid wins in the UFC. Yep. I'm like, if you should be focusing on anyone, it's him. That's uh, true. He's one of them. He's probably the most established one out of them.
0: That's true. And that 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 really could be a good fight. If you know Takashi Sato, as you said, his opponent had a, an incredible UFC debut. Yep. He Looked very very good there. Uh, and Balaki coming in and bang. That could be a lot of fun on the prelims. Uh, Salakoff Salikov, <laughs> is, is a very very exciting fighter there uh, against Nordim Talib. I mean that that could have fireworks written all over it as well.
1: Yeah, Nordine's been training a lot in Thailand recently. I actually was in Thailand, I was in Phuket not long ago and I got to see him train and uh, so obviously he's been focusing on on his striking and and because uh, we've seen him grapple a lot in his earlier fights and, um, but then again, the ultimate fighter, remember when we saw him have these wars to get into the house, he lost and it was weird cause he somehow got a third chance. We don't often see that right. he lost the fight in the house and then the nations won. he lost the first mm-hmm. fight and then he's in the UFC. So I feel like that he was having those wild fights and the ultimate fighters striking and they were fun, but then he suddenly changed his approach cause he probably realized that if I want to stay in the UFC, they've given me so many chances. Yep. So it started to be ha- heavy, like heavy grapple approach, which mm-hmm. is not, wasn't the most entertaining. And then he had that knockout over Eric Silva, and they're like, "All right, this this guy's got hands; like he can he can fight, and uh, this matchup's fun. It like should. I feel like it's gonna be wild."
0: Solikoff's good. Bond, tell me what what you're looking out for. Anybody that you think people need to keep an eye on, or a fight that you personally are are, are looking forward to? I mean, I'm interested in Lee versus Calderwood. I think that's kind of obviously it's kind of the centerpiece
2: of the prelims here. But that's an important fight for 125, especially for Andrea Lee. Uh, We spoke at Media Day, and she said she feels the title shot could be hers with a win here. So that's pretty interesting. She just signed a new UFC contract uh, starting with this fight now. She said she basically feels the UFC is grooming her for a title shot opportunity. And, you know, it's coming along. And it may not be after this fight. It may be the next one or something, just depending how the timing lines up. But I think that's a fight people would be interested. I mean, she's got... Pretty damn good stand-up skills, yeah. and that could make. It's going to be a fun fight. Could be interesting with Shevchenko, and obviously with Calderwood. You know, talking about the first step here. So, yeah, I mean, she did say that she feels she has a good chance of beating Valentina Shevchenko. You know, it's That's not w- the most confident statement. I, I was know, cool no,
0: no, listen. It's funny. I was going to tell you because I don't know how much you could pick up on it because you were talking to Andrew Lead. Obviously, you know, you're in front of the camera. You're you're, you're dealing with her, but her team was basically behind Tim me critter. as I was filming. Yeah, and as soon as like you know that kind of got brought up, and she, she, you know, she was very subtle. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm I'm down for that. I take that. Fight. And right. they were they were like, yeah, we will. We're, you know, that they, they think they think we they got the recipe to beat her. Yeah,
2: that's fascinating. I mean, I I'd be because
0: in- I don't see a lot of people saying, oh, Valentina, yeah, we got
2: that. That's easy. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> as interested in that fight as you know, or more so than a lot of the other options. Like, I'd rather see that than the Liz Carmouche fight or something. I know right. there was some interest. It's easy to say in hindsight, knowing how terrible that fight was, right. but. Um, I think just like style wise, style wise it'd be it's it's a bit compelling.
0: We knew that was gonna be a bit of a grind. This yeah. one this one if she happens to get by. Now again she got tough tests to in enjoying Calderwood who again lost a, a very, very narrow decision. Tough fight there, but uh we'll see. Yeah, real implications there. Well cool. All right, well listen, uh we uh we need to go get some dinner and some cocktails. We need to enjoy Abu Dhabi a little bit. We've we've we, we haven't had much of a chance to enjoy the the nightlife and the, and the scenery here.
2: Is there nightlife here outside <laughs> of the hotels? No, there's not at all. We're basically just going to go down to the bar downstairs and get some food, is what I'm saying. So, uh, so
0: well, let's let's stop talking. Man. Let's go get some frosty beverages, which, by the way, are not to be consumed anywhere else except in the hotels. The only place you can do that. Uh, it's, it's it's a different world over here. It's a different world over here, but we're enjoying it. Uh, so while we go do that, you guys get ready for USC 242. Thanks for listening. <laughs>